This is The Law School Show, bringing you tips for law school and beyond. The B is where you're going to end up if you've done everything right, whereas in undergrad, you know, getting A's for that is what you usually see. The biggest mistake someone, the number you gave me, was, like, were his summaries. I would cross-reference that summary with mine, and then with another one. The actual document that you end up with is much less important than the process of putting that together, at least for me. Catch it all here, right now, on The Law School Show. Hey guys, welcome to The Law School Show. It's currently the end of October, beginning of November, and most, most law school students have either written or will be writing their first midterms. Dun, dun, dun. So in this week's episode, Josh and I conducted a roundtable with several upper year students and asked them about what happened when they got their first midterms back. We talk about expectations and disappointments, how to build summaries for exams, and what makes for effective study groups. You can use these tools to keep prepping for your midterm or for your exams. We've actually split this episode into two parts, so stay tuned for our second part where we talk about tackling uh, the law school exam and how to write for it. And without further ado, here is our roundtable. My name is Harpreet, uh, 2L, interested in business law. Can't really say much else after first year. <laughs> Hi, my name is Elsa. I'm also in 2L, um, in terms of interest, probably around the social justice, labor, and employment. Hi, I'm Jasmine. I'm in 2L as well. Uh, interest in litigation and international law. And my name is Brad, also 2L. I'm interested in family law, criminal defense, and immigration refugee. Let's talk about how you guys felt after your midterm. When I got it back? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. And then I thought, um, well, this is not the same as university. My first midterm, I think, was public law. Didn't didn't do terrible. Didn't do as well as I was maybe used to in undergrad. So it was just started reevaluating, seeing what I did wrong, seeing what I should have avoided, and not to overreact from it. Took advice of professors saying it's your first midterm, and regardless of what you get, it's your first midterm in law school. So don't overreact to it, and don't judge your next three years based on your first grade. In terms of my experience, I would say my it was pretty similar to Harpreet's and my first midterm was terrible, terrible, terrible. I think it was barely, barely passing and I was obviously same emotions, shocked. I may have cried a couple zillion times, but then you kind of realize, all right, I'm either going to leave this place or stay here. So when you choose obviously to stay, um, then you just talk to upper years, uh, talk to professors to prepare you. And I know for that class in particular, luckily had a nice story in the end. Um, it was one of those um, exams, like sale, fail safe, I think they call them, where yeah. like if you did that bad, it wouldn't matter if you did well in the final. And so that's what happened. Like the final offset it, so it was like phew, right? So that's a good benefit that uh, a lot of professors are taking. Um, so it does get better, but yeah, you do need to, you know, pick up yourself, talk to professors, talk to upper years, and just reevaluate what you did wrong. I don't know. I think after my first assignment that I got back, the first thing I got back that really shocked me, really made me reevaluate how marks come across in law school in general. And I love telling this story to people in the grade or, you know, in 1L, that the first mark I got back was on a memo and I got a 5.5 out of 10. And I was like... 
I've never seen a mark like this in my life. This can't be, this can't be happening. And so I went to talk to my prof, and she pulled out the rubric, and she said, no, no, that's, that's a B. I said, how is a 5.5 out of 10 a B? Explain this to me. And she showed me the rubric. She says, there's the 0 to 1 column, there's the 2 to 3 point column, and then there's the 4 to 5 column. You got mostly 2 to 3 in the middle, and one in the top one. So depending on how everyone else did, that's a B, and it could be a B plus. And I was like, this makes no sense at all. And it took me the rest of the year to try and figure out that the B is where you're going to end up if you've done everything right. Whereas in undergrad, you know, getting A's for that is what you usually see. Having to adjust the fact that a 55% on something is not like, I failed, it's a, it's a B, it's really hard to understand the curve. But then once you figure that out and you're like, okay, I think I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. Definitely checking with your profs helps and checking with the other students helps. But it's always going to be a shock when that first mark comes back. <laughs> yeah, right. My, uh, my grades were all over the map when I started, when I got those first, uh, first midterms. Ranged from being really disappointed to like over the moon, like impressed with myself. Um, and it just... Uh, in, in retrospect, um, you take those grades really seriously, but they're even arbitrary at that point because you spent the last, the first you know, month or two of law school just trying to figure out how to be a law student, much less actually learning you know, the substantive material that you're being graded on. And because of those fail-safes that are built into that first year, they really don't mean anything. And the midterms that I killed ended up being you know, my worst grades by the end of the year. The midterms that I flunked, I ended up you know, with A's in those classes. Um, so you really have to uh, keep perspective, I think, going forward after those, uh, after those midterm experiences. How do you build a good summary? This is like this cryptic summary thing when we entered law school. Nobody really... Yeah. They're like, oh, just do a summary from an upper year. And you're like, what the hell is a summary? So yeah. I just... Okay, so I actually just went on a rant about this last week. So ironically, when I was messaged to come here, I'm like, great, I have a platform. <laughs> <laughs> I personally... So the biggest mistake someone an upper year gave me was like, were his summaries. I, I, I generally believe making your own summaries is the way to go. Can we get a definition of a summary first for those who don't know? Yeah, what is, hold on, you define a summary. <laughs> <laughs> so a summary, no, more or less, is just like all the notes you've accumulated during the course of the class. So usually you're going to highlight in your summary the main aspects, like any frameworks, any key things that you want to apply. So I think of it like my toolbox. So I'm going to build something on the exam. I need my tools. So my summary is like, the tools I bring, the ratios, the key things, the process that judges use, I would bring to the exam so I could just ace it or just show like, hey, I know a little bit more than the average Joe. That said, I am now a firm believer in making your own summary because the classes, classes that I did do well in were the ones that I like took time, I like sweat blood and tears, and like those are the summaries that even now I look at them and I'm like, yeah, I made that. <laughs> but then the summaries that I'm not necessarily like crazy about and I don't want anyone to ever look at them are the ones that I had from upper years who like I just thought, oh, like I'll just integrate my notes. But in hindsight, that's just my approach. I think I am a person who I need to make her summaries now, but I know other upper or other colleagues of mine who have done well. 
they completely take up your summaries and they just integrate it and it works well with them. Did, did anybody have a positive experience using up your summaries? Or sure. Yeah. 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 Cool. Go ahead. Um, well, there's, I mean, first and foremost, you still have to do your own summary. I, yeah. I like completely agree. There's no substitute to taking the time to map out the entire course on your own in your own words yeah. to have a reference, which is yeah. what I ended up using them for. Right? I would just sort of split screen and I would I would work on mine for an hour and then I would cross reference with yeah. uh, you know an upper year mm -hmm. summary and if there was something I missed or if there is a way that an idea was sort of structured or presented that made sense to me, I would then incorporate it. Yeah. But you never want to rely on that summary and you always want to work work through it on your own first yeah. right yeah. well don't forget the law has changed interpretation has changed and so I, it was great I had a, an upper year mentor who gave me her notes and in some areas of the law I was like oh that's what they were saying but don't forget these profs you know having having been a teacher for a, a period of time you get bored teaching the same thing over and over again. You're going to want to emphasize different things and say, you know what, I'm always teaching this one case, this is the highlight case, but I really want them to get the point that it's doing this in the law today. Or, you know, we've had really big decisions that come down. What's important about those? And what from previous decisions can you tie into something like Carter or like Bedford? You know, when you look at some cases, profs are going to want different interpretations from year to year. So it's great to see if you're missing a case, you're like, oh, I, I just don't get what's happening in this ancient contracts or tort case. Good. You look at somebody else's summary. And the CLSS keeps a database online of, of previous summaries that you can submit to. But that being said, yeah, do your own work, you know. Yeah. yeah. I might, I might throw also advice in is multiple different upper year summaries. As much as you're being active in gleaning your own and creating your own is to compare those and you'll find gaps in your own and theirs yeah. and you create a super summary and the entire process is about activating that brain that will be active in the exam and I think that's right. super key. Yep, I would echo exactly what uh, everybody said and what Brad and Josh just said about I was really paranoid I, in the sense that I did use an upper year summary, but I'd still, I would cross-reference that summary with mine and then with another one, just to make sure that, because again, everybody's interpretation is different, everybody says things differently, which is why it's so important to do your own summary, so you could, not only when you're studying, but when you're writing the exam, you'll know it better if it's in your own words, opposed yeah. to if you're trying to remember somebody else's words, just be sure, and you, I, I personally felt more confident knowing this is my summary and this is stuff that I know, which is why I have it on a piece of paper. I, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, yeah, that's what I'd say. Big part of summaries um, is that they are really visual, right? And when you're in, in an exam situation, you need to find something really quickly. Like, you don't have time to flip through notes. It has to be organized, and everybody is going to have their own way to sort of lay out ideas, right? Their own order. And it's hard to know in 1L what that even looks like, right, without a reference point. So I feel like it was useful just to see how people had done that. Page and, numbers? Right? Yeah. Page numbers. I know they helped me. There was one, one example. Like, I didn't put page numbers on one of my summaries. was like, where is this? Where yeah. did it go to? Yeah. Ten words or less describe the perfect summary for you. Or pretty. Concise and in your own words. Elsa. In, you, in your own words. That's it. A map, right? How everything fits together, yeah. right? A map that 
explains the whole. I like it. Jasmine? Uh, well, well organized and color coded. That's about all I can I can add. I like it. I'll jump in. I'll jump in. Um, I would say for something with summaries, it's to be prepared and know your content. Like know your know what you brought in with you to the exam. Like for me, what I did was I'd have my short summary and that would be what I'd be referencing, but I'd have my binder filled with everything that we did in the course. Because you don't know. I don't know if my summary will be enough. Maybe it won't be. So you need to have, you just need to know your content to know, okay, it's not in my summary, but it might be in my notes, so I need to go there and I'm going to spend some time to look for it. But also be weary of your time when you're writing this exam, because if you don't have enough time to answer that, to go through your notes to find that answer, don't waste it. If you can't, if you feel like you can write a whole essay on one point, that's not good enough because there's like several other points that you need to pick up. Pick the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> I know it sounds cheap, but that's how you get points in law school. So do it. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Uh, I guess mine would be in your own words, in your own form, and be fully prepared to not need it, so that. You walk in there, it's a reference, it's a tool, but it's not your crutch. And I think that's the, you know, I lucked out on one where I pretty much memorized every analytical framework I could, every case, memorized, repetitive to my brain, so that I could look at the page and know exactly what it said, and all I had to reference was, uh, you know, a particular phrasing of the way somebody wrote it in, in judgment, right? And that was it. And that took a, I'll say it, a shit ton of effort. <laughs> um, but um, it really pays off to have it in your own words, in your own format, and to be prepared not to use it. It seems like you guys are putting, like your long summary is really just the accumulation of all of your notes. Pretty much. That's really not how I approached it at all, which is so interesting. For every three pages of class notes, yeah. one page ends up in my summary. Right? Like I feel like so Yeah, it's a distillation process. Right? That's what I find. And that's and it's it's the the actual document that you end up with is much less important than the process of putting that together, yeah. at least for me. Yeah. Where it's I mean Exactly the, well, the details, right? And even the law, like of course you need the ratio, you need the frameworks, that all has to be in there. Yeah. But the process of putting the summary together for me is seeing how they all fit together. Right? Like, what is the link? Why are we being taught each one? Right? Like, the, the substantive ratio in any case is less important than the sort of pedagogy exactly. of giving you, you know, the process of how this develops. And that's exactly, I went to a, a sort of post-exam session with Professor St. Louis, because even if you do well, you want to make sure that you didn't just, it wasn't a fluke. Right? You want to make sure that you've done things right, that you actually did them right. You never really know. Yeah, and Professor St. Louis said, you know, your summary is not everything. It's not about the fact that it's beautiful and it's colorful and it's great when you have that feeling of accomplishment. Like, wow, I put something together that's going to be so useful. What, for one exam? Maybe two if you have a full year summary. Like, you know, you might use it later on for upper year stuff. I haven't yet, but I feel like if people focus too much on the process of making a summary that is a certain way, you will miss out on the broad strokes of everything. Right. So. Yeah. It's a tool. It's right? exactly like, it's a tool. Yeah. Like you, yeah. You hit the nail on the toolbox, right? It's just uh, it's just there. You need <laughs> you it to build the scores you need on those exams. Study. Did you use them? Did you enjoy them? What are good study groups? What make bad study groups? <laughs> I just jumped in. 
So awesome. I never came, went into a study group without not prepping on my own. Like, because yep. I Definitely. did that once, and I remember the anxiety that came out of there just was indescribable. Because it was just, like, every, it just seemed like everyone knew everything. I was completely, like, in cloud nine or whatever. So if you are going to do a study group, pro tip, do not go in there, like, fully blind to, or with no preparation. Do some work. Do some homework research, do your own setting, and then come in as kind of like, just to make sure, did I get this test right? And it, there's always that one friend who's like, oh, you forgot this one point. That's fantastic, because you can just go back to your summary or your notes and just add that. Right. Instead of feeling like, I'm gonna use another word, but feeling garbage. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I would say the same thing. Uh, I always, I, I think of them more as a review group rather than study groups, because I haven't, I knew that I could, I was good, lucky enough to know in my uh, first year not to go in there unprepared, but then I, I was in a few study groups where people left because they weren't entirely sure about what we were talking about, and it could become, become confusing. A study group, for me personally, I feel should just be nothing more than review of what you know and clarification about anything you didn't understand while you were studying, rather than being there and freaking out about why you don't know anything. And then I feel that, and then just ends up making it harder to study yeah. when you feel like you don't know. But really, you just haven't put in the time to study yet. I think it's important to find people who are not going to be judgmental if you do miss something, because there's so much material. I found that with certain courses, like, if you've missed out or you're like, oh, I wasn't in class that day, I did the readings, but I didn't quite catch what was going on, there are some people who are going to make you feel like, oh, you don't know that? Why don't you know that? Well, yeah. I know that. And you need to study with people who are going to say, okay, let me explain that concept to you. Because I've always found explaining concepts makes sure that I know them really well. And if you have, just don't have too many people in a room, but you know, if there's two or three of you, then you're able to say, okay, well, we've got a, enough opinions here on what this really stands for, or how to actually express this, that you're like, okay, I feel more secure now. Yeah, you don't need somebody making you feel, you know, more anxiety at this point. Would you say an ideal study group number would be two to three, or would you say something bigger could be helpful at times? No. No. Get no. lots of shakes. No. <laughs> two to three. Yeah. I, I've been in a seven or eight, Ooh. I think, for property last year, and we had people yelling across yeah, no. study yeah. room, and it, you, just get, you get lost in the conversation, and you just don't know what's going on anymore. Also, I think staying focused is really important, and right. the fewer people you have, the better you can steer that energy towards product, productive time. I found larger study groups, with the exception of one where the class required a lot of minds to be throwing a lot of ideas around, which was a, an off-book, uh, it was a closed-book exam, and you needed the people in the room to, to put everything down so that we had a, you know, a fair shake of it, but 99 times out of 100, uh, the study groups that were the most productive were in the three, I'd say three people was perfect. You know, yeah. Three, maybe four if there was all on the same page, but two to four max. Yeah, two to four. The other good thing about having a study group and not doing it all on your own as well is the fact that I'm sure most law students are like this. You get into your groove and you've just been sitting for 10 hours straight. And when you have a study group, it's good because they're like, yo, I need a break. Like, yeah. let's go yeah. get some water or something. You're like, oh, yeah, taking a break, seeing some sunshine or getting some fresh air. That's a good idea. And you also learn techniques with study groups. I know with um, the study group that I was in, one of my friends, she, I, like, t that's, I think, what helped me carry, carry over with a really bad midterm. When I looked at my approach, what should I do? I observed this particular friend, and she had, like, a, 
not necessarily I would say it works for me completely, but like this framework approach to everything, it's, so I, I adopted that and I found that my grades improved. Um, so yeah, like study groups are also beneficial, not just for content, but you also just learn that studying tips that you just carry on forward. You've just been listening to The Law School Show. You can find all our episodes on iTunes, Stitcher, or at our website at thelawschoolshow.com. If you liked what you heard, like us again on Facebook and get the latest updates from The Law School Show. Career advancing advice, right to your earbuds. <laughs>